Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Today, I've been waiting to share this message with you. I believe it's, it's life-changing. It's a biblical principle that when you learn to implement this principle, it takes effect in any area of your life. I really want to talk about the hard times, when you're going through the real struggle for your faith, maybe one of the most difficult moments in your life. What do you do? What's your response? When you're on the edge of giving up, when you're on the edge of just saying, you know, what does it matter? It's never going to happen. I know we don't like to open our heart and bare our soul to people, but every one of us have had some moments in life as a Christian where we wonder, is God going to answer this prayer? Is this ever going to happen? What am I going to do? What about those moments? God's not afraid of those moments. And, and I want to share a principle with you that, that's really become more real to me than ever during this 2020 pandemic year with all the unexpected things. And that's the word that I want to share with you. What, one word that's been used over and over again about 2020 and the coronavirus pandemic is the word unexpected. It, it came out of nowhere. We didn't see it coming. We, we did not have a plan for it. And we've been scrambling from the beginning to respond. So what do we do? Those are the hard days. What do you do in the unexpected moments, the unexpected crisis, the unexpected pandemic? How do we respond? Here's what I've learned in life. Life, my life, your life, life is not determined by what somebody does to me. Life is determined by how I respond to that. I want to share that again. Life is not where we end up. What happens to our life? The journey we take is not just dependent upon what someone does to me, what happens to me, my circumstances. It's how I choose to respond. Now, let me be very clear. We all are affected by what other people do. We all are impacted by what other people do. There's no one in this room, including me. There's no one online right now who has not been impacted by a bad decision by another person. Every one of us have been treated unfairly at times. Every one of us have gone through moments where we feel like we're misunderstood. And we wonder, how could that happen? Why did they say that? Uh, we've been hurt. Unfair things happen. And so what, what we begin to understand as a Christian is not that, that life as a believer keeps us from experiencing the realities of life. It gives us another way to respond to that. And so here's what we're learning in this year particularly. When the unexpected happens to you, you have a choice. You can do the normal thing, the expected thing, the common thing. Or when the unexpected happens, you can do the unexpected. And I want to show you today one of the most powerful unexpected responses that a Christian can ever make. I want to show you how strong and powerful it is. Unexpected times will happen. How many heard what I just said? But we can respond in a way that's amazing. Now, here's what I want you to see as I go through and, 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 and illustrate this today. When the unexpected happens and you do the unexpected, instead of doing the normal, instead of doing what everybody else has done, instead of doing what you used to do, when the unexpected happens and you do the unexpected, it takes the impact, the force, the power of what was coming against you and literally flips it back around into the face of what was attacking you. It's kind of like a slingshot. You understand? The farther you pull the slingshot back, the greater force is going to work for you when you turn it loose. Sometimes life, come on, get this. Maybe you feel like this today, that, that 2020 has gotten a hold of you. 
and is stretching you and you've been saying, man, if this thing pulls me any farther, I don't know what I'm going to do. If this thing gets any tough, what am I going to do? Listen to me. When you do the unexpected to the unexpected, the force against you is launched back into the face of what was attacking you. What literally was designed to break you down now comes in your favor. The Bible says it like this. The stone the devil rolled at you rolls back on him. The pit he dug for you to fall in, he falls inside that pit. That's what happens if we learn to do the unexpected. So it's, it's, it's really important that we get this lesson. Let me, let me illustrate it in two or three verses here uh, just to show you what we typically do, but there's an unexpected response that'll free us if we get this, all right? Let, let's look at this. For instance, what happens to the people that are giving you a hard time? Now, I know most of you here today are just perfect little angels, and you're so sweet and kind that no one's ever been mean to you. I know most of the people in this room have no idea what this is like, but just bear with me, okay? If, if you've ever had somebody be unkind, if you have somebody right now that's pushing all your buttons and aggravating you and, and, and giving you a hard time consistently, let, let's watch these verses. I love the way this begins. This is uh, Romans twelve eighteen. If it is possible, okay, as far as it depends on you, okay, what am I teaching you today? It's not about what you're doing to me. It's about how I choose to respond. It's not about the things that, that I can't control. It's what am I going to do? So if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, okay, I can do something in this, in this moment. Are you with me? Live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as far as it's up to you and I, we're going to choose peace. Let's go on to verse 19. Do not take revenge. All right. So what does that mean? That's a normal expectation when someone's been mean to you, when you've been offended, when you've been hurt, when you've been betrayed. What happens in the human mind? Listen to me. The human mind instantly begins to plot revenge. That's a normal reaction. Hey, he got me. I'm going to get him back. She got me. I'm going to get her back. But the Bible says there's another opportunity here. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. This, I want to help you with something. I'm a little afraid to teach you this because... But I'm going to do it anyway, okay? Because I don't want you to misuse it. Watch this. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. <laughs> Let me help you with this. Again, don't raise your hands on any of this stuff. This is too close to home. Just, just listen, okay? Have any of you ever had a moment or somebody bother you so that you're saying, why doesn't God just get them? I don't know why God doesn't take care of that guy. How come that lady's walking around doing like that? God ought to get her. Why doesn't God get her? Okay? Now, again, I know I'm talking about your family, not you. I know somebody else. But you know, you've said, God ought to get them. God, get them, God. Well, watch this. He says, I have to leave room for God to do that. So watch this. Here's this person who's been so mean and unkind to you. But we plot revenge. Finally, we're going to get them. We're right there on them. And God might do something. But if he threw that lightning bolt you want him to throw at that person, he'd hit you. <laughs> so we keep saying, God help me. God get them. God do something. God make a way. They need to pay for it. Well, if you'd get out of the way, God might make a way. Okay? I wanted to help you. <laughs> okay. That, that's risky. But I want you to understand something. We oftentimes get in the place 
where God wants to do something. Now, let me tell you something. God's probably not going to kill the people you want him to kill. You know why? Because they may be praying for him to kill you. <laughs> okay, I can tell. All right, I'm going to get, stop meddling and get back to preaching. What happens? We have a hard time imagining the person we don't like might not like us. We have a hard time imagining the person we hate, God loves them as much as he loves us. I, mean, I know that's hard to get. But what we're seeing here, God says, don't take revenge. Don't do the human thing. Don't do the thing that normally does. We need to leave God room to do his work. Amen? Let's go to verse 20. Watch this. Okay? On the contrary. Okay. We're talking about unexpected responses. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. (laughs) If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Don't stand by and say, I hope he starves to death. No. We do the unexpected. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. That speaks of conviction. And what's the bottom line? Do we want revenge or do we want people to come to Jesus? See? All right. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil. Here's the bottom line. That's what we're teaching. But overcome evil with good. In other words, the way you and I win, the way we overcome when something evil, wicked, unkind happens is not that we react in the same way. We literally defeat or overcome evil with doing the godly thing in that moment by responding in the unexpected way. Look at this, Luke 6, uh, 28. Just a quick verse. Watch this. Bless those who curse you. That's not ordinary. That's not common. Literally, the Bible says we have a choice. Someone has cursed you. What am I going to do? I'm going to bless them. Why? Because I'm leaving room for God. Because I believe God's in control. Pray for those who mistreat you. I've had some people mistreat me in life. Have you ever had anybody mistreat you? And you know what I've discovered? When I start praying for the people who mistreat me, I start feeling different about them. I start seeing them in a different way. Let me tell you what happens. Let's go to this third place. Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. Watch this. Here's one of the hard things for people to do, but it's the right reaction. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving. Someone say forgiving. I want to hear it one more time. Forgiving each other. How? Just as in Christ, God forgave us. Okay, watch this. How many of you have ever been forgiven by God? Can I see your hand? What about you at home? Don't act like that. Raise your hand. All right. You've been forgiven? Okay, here's the real question. How many of you have been forgiven More than once by God. (laughs) Wow. So now, according to what you've just told me, Scripture says the way I forgive is more than one time. See, here's human nature. You remember when when Peter came to Jesus and said, Jesus, Peter thought he was about to impress Jesus. (laughs) So he says, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive somebody that offends me? Seven times? He really thought that was, he was hitting a home run. In, in the Jewish culture, in numerology, and, and Scripture, seven is the number of perfection. And so for him, he thought, God, if I say I'm going to forgive this man seven times, I'm going to really impress Jesus. He's going to be like, wow, Peter, good job. But, but he said, so do I forgive seven times? What did Jesus say? No, Peter, you forgive him 70 times seven. Now, the problem with us, that 70 times seven meant literally in that culture without limit. It was a, it was a figurative number. Here's our problem for us. You know what you do if that person really bothers you. Okay, Jesus said 70 times 7. That's 490. And we start marking. Okay. It's 221. That's 338. I'm at 400. Ooh, it's getting close. I'm at 489. Thank you, God. 
Next time's 490. 491, I'm going to clean his clock because I've done my 490. I'm good with God. See, that's our problem. We keep records. Listen to me. We keep records and God doesn't. When he forgives us, he wipes it clean. When he forgives us as far as the east is from the west, thrown into the sea. When we forgive, we need to forgive the same way. Now listen, forgiveness doesn't mean you continue to allow a person to mistreat you. Forgiveness doesn't mean you keep yourself in an unhealthy situation. Forgiveness means you forgive them. Sometimes you've got to put some distance between yourself and dysfunction. Staying in dysfunction is not a spiritual gift. Sometimes you're codependent. So when something's damaging to you, you need to back up out of an unhealthy thing and allow God to work, but we forgive. How many are with me? So you see, those are not normal responses. Somebody curses me, I'm going to bless them. Someone mistreats me, I'm going to pray for them. Uh, My enemy's going to get fed. I'm, I'm going to give them something to drink. I'm going to forgive those who've wronged me. Those aren't normal reactions. But when we do the unexpected to the unexpected, we open the door for God to get into this situation. And what I want to illustrate to you today for the rest of my message is, is an area that without any question, I believe is the most powerful unexpected response you can have of all. The most powerful you can have. Forgiveness is strong. Loving is strong. Kindness is strong. Being, being, being good to those. Praying for people. But there's something you can do. There's something available to you and I. In the hardest moments of life. That literally take the power working against us. And turn it back to work in our favor. It's an incredibly powerful principle. And it's called unexpected praise. When you praise God in a moment. Where it looks like the last thing you should do is be praising God. It literally reverses the spiritual dynamics in that moment. It literally turns it around. Let, let, let me help you understand why. Well, let, let's do this. Go to Psalm 22. I'll get back to that in a moment. Psalm 22. Interesting Psalm. Psalm 22 is quoted or referenced 15 times in the New Testament. It's one of the most quoted referenced Psalms in the New Testament. In fact, I want you to get this. There are a couple of verses here that everybody's heard. But we've never put them together. This is a powerful lesson for us today. Psalm 22 was the psalm Jesus quoted while he was dying on the cross. The things he said that day were not random. He didn't just say, man, I'm having a hard time. Or the, the, Psalm 22 was a prophetic psalm. David, was, the king, was going through a horrible time. But Jesus took that psalm and quoted it and had great impact for us. Psalm 22, an incredible impact. So let's, I'm going to read some verses here, and then we're going to come back and see how Jesus responded. Everybody, you recognize this first line? It's on the cross. One of the most difficult things to understand that day. Jesus said this. He quoted Psalm 22:1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew what that felt like. David knew what it felt like. Let's keep reading. Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. Look at verse 2. We see this. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. In real, I'm trying to think of another word, I'll just say it. Gut level honesty. Every believer has had a moment like that. Every person has walked through a moment where it feels like God left. Where it seems like he doesn't hear my prayer. So, so Jesus identified with that moment. Let's drop down. Look at verse, verse 6, 7, and 8. I want you to look at these verses. 
These, these are cross words. But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. Verse 7. All who see me mock me. Remember how he was mocked, how they spit on him and mocked him, stood around the cross and ridiculed him. They hurled insults, shaking their heads. Verse 8. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. The Pharisees, those that accused him and, and, and were responsible for the crucifixion, stood at the foot of the cross while he was dying and shouted, If you're the Son of God, come down. If God's your Father, prove it. These very things happened to him. And then let's look at verse number 12 through 18. I'll go through these quickly. We see more direct statements from the cross. Verse 12, many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. These these people that were there that day. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. Verse 14. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It is melted within me. Verse 15. My mouth is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Verse 16. Dogs surround me. Look at this. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. The prophetic direction of the cross. Let's go to verse 18. Well, it was there. They divide my clothes. I'm already there. Sorry, guys. Go to 18. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. The very thing they did to Jesus that day. And so here's what I want you to see. I want you to get this today. It's critical. God knows there are going to be moments in our life where it looks hopeless. Why did Jesus quote Psalm 22? Why out of anything he could have said, why this psalm? Let me tell you something. Because he wanted you and I to know today that he identifies with the darkest moments in your life. He wants you to know today he recognizes when you're in pain. He wants you to know he knows what it's like to despair. He knows what it's like to feel deserted and feel all alone. He knows those things. And Jesus endured that. Why? Not just so he knew what it was like, but so he could heal us when we're there and help us when we're there and encourage us when we're there. This was not random. This was the choice of God. God knows what it's like. His suffering had a purpose that day. But something David knew in his despair and Jesus knew in his moment And you and I know in our moment, let's be honest, there's something worse than physical pain. There's something worse than 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 going through the piercing and what we read about the cross. It was that moment when, when he said, God, have you left me? God, have you deserted me? God, have you abandoned me to a believer? The deepest wound you can experience is to think, God doesn't hear me anymore. God doesn't care about me anymore. God's not with me in this moment. Has he forgotten me? Is there no hope for me? What am I going to do in this moment? But I want you to see verse number three, right after he said that verse one and verse two, I want you to go to the verse. We love to quote all the time, but we never have its context. We quote this verse all the time in churches like Calvary that worship. We tell people, hey, God inhabits the praise and the worship of his people. We love that verse. But that's right here in Psalm 22. Right after he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can't feel you. I don't see you. I don't know you. The next thing he said. The unexpected response, the miracle hidden in the middle of the suffering, he says, yet, yet, in the midst of this, 
You're enthroned as the Holy One. You're the one Israel praises. Look at the King James translation of this. We might be more familiar. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. You're holy, but thou art holy. In other words, God, it's rough, it's tough, it's, it's, it's getting rough for me, but I know who you are. This moment doesn't feel good but you're still God. I don't like the moment, but I know that you're faithful. It was an unexpected response, usually in those dark moments. What Satan wants you and I to do is give up, get mad, go away. You have to understand something about the power of unexpected praise. The Bible tells us, most of you know this, that Satan was once Lucifer, an archangel, created over the worship and the praise of God in heaven. But at some point, In eternity past, Lucifer, this beautiful archangel, decided, I want to be praised like God is praised. I want to sit on the throne of God. I want to be the most high. I don't want to praise. I want to be praised. Are you with me right now? And that was the rebellion. He was thrown out of heaven by the power of God. But the desire of Satan has always been, I want you to praise me. I don't want you to praise God. The one thing Satan, listen to me, does not want you to do is praise God anytime. Are you with me? Get this. But when you praise God, when he doesn't think you're going to, when you praise God and it's unexpected, it literally jerks the rug out from under the devil. It literally causes him to step back away from the moment. Why? Because God inhabits that praise. And when God shows up, the devil has to go. When God comes in that moment, Satan has to back up. What you and I need to understand, the one thing Satan does not think you're going to do in the midst of an unexpected moment is to say, wait a minute, I don't feel good. I feel abandoned. My emotions are everywhere. But I know this. My God is still holy. My God is still faithful. I'm going to give praise to my God. Look at this in the uh, Passion Translation. I love this. Yet I know. Come on, what do you know today? Let me ask anybody. What do you know about God today? What have you learned about God? Can I tell you something? You can't praise Him in the battle with my testimony. You, you, can't, you can't give unexpected praise on someone else's testimony. When you're standing in that moment where your emotions are screaming, God's not with me. Where circumstances are saying, I'm abandoned. You better know something in that moment. You better have a well to pull some water up that you've been putting in in your walk with God. You've got to have your own testimony in that moment. In that moment where there's nothing you can see around you. There's nothing you feel to encourage you. You have to be able by faith to say, but I know that you're God. Yet I know that you are most holy. You can say that anytime. Look at this. It's indisputable. Look at this. You are God enthroned, surrounded with songs. Where is our God? Living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. Can I tell you this? The greater the challenge, the louder your praise needs to be. The greater the attack, the more you need to praise Him. It's amazing. You don't have to be in church. You don't have to have a worship team. You don't have to be in any kind of atmosphere. When you've had enough of enough, you can put your foot down in your faith and say, Yet I know that you are God most high and you dwell in the middle of my praises. Let me read it again. In the shout, okay. God, I thank you that you're God and I bless your name. You know, the devil might not like a little praise, but I know he hates a shout praise. 
So you just decide, I'm going to do the unexpected. I'm going to do what he didn't expect me to do. Why? Because when God comes in, the devil has to leave. What happens, that moment of crisis is about to be converted to a testimony in your life. It's about to flip and change. Let, let's look at this. Let's go back. What, what do you praise God for in the middle of a present problem? Why do I praise him? How do I praise him? What do I say when this moment's so difficult? Look at David did immediately following verse 3. What does he say in verse 4? In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. You know what he said? God, you've got a track record with me. I'm going to praise you. It's hard today, but you've been faithful. Look at verse 5. He gives his own testimony now. Uh, or, or let, let me go on. To you they cried out, and they were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Leave it there for a minute. Do you know the testimony you're leaving to your children and grandchildren? are going to help them someday when the enemy comes against them to be able to say, this is what my father told me. This is what my mother told me. This is what my grandparents told me. You brought them through. You showed them a way out. You made a way when there is no way. You know what I love to do with my family? Do it at Thanksgiving. I've always done this with my daughters and my grandchildren. But I'm a pastor my whole life. I, everything, But it works for you just like me. Everything I have, everything I have, God has given to me. I've given my whole life to the ministry. I've never done any other jobs. I've given this 20, you know, 24-7. This is what I do. And we sit down at Thanksgiving. And I say, girls, see this house we're in? God did this. See this food on the table? God did this. See these clothes on your back? God did this. And what am I doing? I'm pouring something into them. Because there's going to be a day they're going to have to stand. They're going to have to stand on their own feet and say... I saw you do this in my family. I saw your faithfulness. This is the testimony. See, I'm riding on the shoulders of a lot of people today, guys. I want you to hear me. My grandmother, my father's mother, was one of the first women in the state of Arkansas to be baptized in the Holy Spirit when the Azusa Street Revival hit that, hit that state. She was early on. My dad told me she embarrassed him. This was way, way back in the 1900s, before anybody had air conditioning. And he said when he was walking home from school, and he turned the corner to go down his block. He could hear his mother praying. The windows were up and she was calling down the glory of God. And let me tell you what she was doing that nobody was doing at that time, which the Holy Spirit will do if you let him. Her prayer partner was a black woman. I'm talking in the 30s and nobody getting together across those lines then. But my grandmother and her prayer partner were in her front room calling on the name of the Lord. My dad said, you hear him a block away. So I'm going to tell you something. My grandmother found Jesus and gave us a testimony. And I saw God's goodness in her life. My father connected with that and gave his life to the Lord. I'm third generation of that. My daughters are fourth generation. My grandchildren are going to be fifth generation. I plan on leaving a legacy to a thousand generations. And this is what they're going to say in the hard day. You did it for my grandfather. You did it for my father. You did it for me. If you did it for them. Anybody hear what I'm saying today? You've got to have something to build on. So you might say, well, pastor, I don't have it. Well, congratulations. You started right now. You're the generation that starts building the testimony. You're the, you're the spiritual genesis of your family. That's what you do when things get hard. But God, you're still faithful. Look at verse 6. Then he says this. He says, you know, God, when I think about it, you brought uh, 22.6. Did I go too far on that? What I want to see here. Uh, 
look at this, verses 22. I missed you. Uh, verse 22. Go to that through 25. Look at his own testimony. Drop down to verse 22 here. Psalm 22. 20. Look at this. I will declare your name to my people. Now watch this. He said, I'm going to get somebody else in on this. You listen to me? In the assembly, I will praise you. Next verse. Then he says, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. Next verse. So now watch what happens. It's moving from a personal thing to a corporate thing. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. Verse 25. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vow. Let me help you with something. When you're battling that moment where the enemy's done the unexpected, our greatest response is unexpected praise. It begins by remembering the faithfulness of God and declaring what God has done in your life. But then he says, you need to go somewhere and praise. You need to open your mouth and begin to declare the praises of God. Are you listening to me? You can't be passive in those moments. And I want to be very honest with you. He said, you need to crawl out of your cave and go get around some other believers. You need to go get in the assembly. You need to go open your mouth. Maybe I should say, maybe we've got to shut our mouth before we can open our mouth. So, Pastor, what do you mean? Maybe I need to stop complaining, whining, singing the blues. I want to help you with something. When you're going through a struggle in life, your buddies are not the people who circle around you and you all whine, complain, and cry together. You don't need to be in a depression 101 support group. You need to get in a praise group. If all your buddies are doing is to you, you got some people. Listen, I've had to get out of some conversations in 2020. I've had to hang the phone up in 2020. I've had some people that are my friends, but I'd say, hey, I'm going to check you later. <laughs> I didn't have to tell them, oh, you better be quiet, you ungodly thing. I just wasn't going to listen to it. I, I'm not going to get on a phone call and say, are you having a bad time? Me too. How bad is it? Oh, it's real bad. Oh, I don't. Oh, not me. I don't have any problem saying, hey, man, got to go. Check you later. Poof. I'm done. I'm going to go to the house of God. I'm going to get around some Christians. I'm going to open up my mouth. I'm going to praise God. You know what the devil wants to do to you when you're going through a hard time? Isolate you. Get the one sheep that left a hundred. Put you over here by yourself. Talk you into a dark, lonely place where there's no one to see, nothing to hear, nothing to hope. Can I tell you something? The moment you feel like staying by yourself is the moment you better get up, do something, get around the house of God and begin to praise him for who he is. Maybe you're having such a hard time, you can't generate the praise. That's why you need to be here. Why? Have you ever seen somebody's battery run down on the car? What do you do? You find somebody who's got a good battery, and you connect the cables, and you get a jump start. Listen to me. I know some Christians right now, 2020, you need a Holy Ghost jump start. You need to get around somebody who's got some praise left and crank her up. How many hear what I'm saying? If you see some, you go to church and you're not feeling good, and you see somebody really praising God, don't look over at them and go, what's wrong with them? Get over their bomb and rub his shoulder and see if someone crank you up and go. Why are y'all looking at me like this? This is a life principle. This works on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, at the church, in your house. Listen, you begin to implement unexpected praise. You may get so blessed at work, you've got to act like you go to the restroom, just go in there, hide, and shout a little bit. 
You may go home today and get so excited. You may not have Christians there. You'll have to say, excuse me, and go get in the closet and shut the door and sing the praises of God. Why? Because this isn't a theory. This is not just something to talk about. It is a spiritual principle. When you apply it, it turns the force of the attack back against the enemy that was coming against you. Let me tell you how important this is. I believe with all my heart, this is where the majority of people who are no longer serving God fell off the track. They hit a rough spot. They hit a hard spot. I'm speaking to somebody right now. Holy Spirit, drop this word on me right now. There are people hearing me right now, some here and some online. That's where you stumbled. You hit this point and said, God, you've forsaken me. I'm having this problem and you're not solving it. I, I get that. That's why Jesus quoted this psalm. That's why he went through that so you would know, hey, he knows what's going on. He's walked through this. This is where people lose their faith. They hit this spot. They can't feel God. They're tired of waiting. Anybody had to, it's hard to wait sometimes. I'm waiting on some answered prayers right now. Anybody else waiting? I'm waiting on some. I've got two options. I got two options today. I can quit and give up and never see the answer. And for the rest of my life, think God failed me. God didn't care about me. God doesn't answer prayer. A lot of people believe that. You know why? You quit too soon. You quit too soon. Or I can hang in here until I see God's goodness come. See his blessing come. Watch this. And, 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 and I want us to, we're, we're going to take a minute to praise. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. I want you to see this. This is how this comes together, God. I'm telling you, <clears throat> this is not just a Sunday morning little, you know, encourage session. This isn't a pep rally. These are principles that save our life. Principles that take us from, from, from despair into victory. These are principles that help us see, man, that's where the devil got me. I'm going to come out of this. This is where I got tripped up. I'm not going to give in to this anymore. See, we, we got our eyes on the problem instead of God. Praise, unexpected praise, turns Satan's attack back on him and allows you to begin to see God is still real and he's with me. Paul said this, watch this. Paul was wrestling with an unanswered prayer here. The great apostle Paul, he was wrestling with a prayer that hadn't been answered yet. And he said, this is what God said to him in a moment of waiting. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. What is grace? Unearned favor. You know what God's saying to you struggling today? You know what he's saying? My mercy is enough to get you through this. My grace is sufficient. Stop saying, I'm not going to make it. God said, I'm responsible for you to make it. I'm going to take the responsibility to get you where you need to go. What a word. My grace is sufficient for you. Look at this. For my power. This word power, you know what that word is? That's the Greek word dunamis. That's the word translated miracles in Scripture. That's the word translated the power of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. This is what he's saying. Watch this. We never connect power in this together. My power is made perfect in my weakness. This is what he said. In the areas where I can't do it, it's where I find out God can do it. In the area where I can't solve it, this is where I see God can solve it. See, here's what happens. When we quit before we see God's power, we miss a new demonstration of how great he is. So he says, therefore, this is what I'm going to do. Watch this. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now listen, Paul did not have a victim's mentality. 
He's not saying, I go around and, and say, oh, I'm having a hard time. I'm so glad I'm having a hard time. I'm so glad that I'm weak. It's really, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I stopped having testimony services in this church a few years ago because people forgot what a testimony was. I call them testifonies. And I decided I wasn't going to do it anymore because it was not doing what we're supposed to do. Now, I don't know if you grew up in a little church like I did, and I love the church, love the pastor, incredible impact on my life. But sometimes things need to get back in line. And I remember testimony service. This bothered me when I was a little kid. I was listening, you know. And now testimony, I'm supposed to say, this is what the Lord's done, right? In a, at a testimony, God answered this prayer. God did this. We're encouraged by testimony. Testimonies are one of the greatest tools we can use. But these things got to this. You know, I, I remember, in fact, I got in trouble as a kid. I, I'll just be honest. <laughs> I memorized everybody's testimony. <laughs> Because they said the same thing every time. So they'd start, and I'd be sitting there with my mom. I just want to thank the Lord. for She said, stop. You know, stop. Keep you still. Here's what they call a testimony. Lady, stand up. Well, the devil's been after me all week. What? What kind of testimony is that? And then she'd say, the devil's been after me all week. And somebody would say, bless his holy name. The devil or God or who? What, what does that mean? And then it was kind of like, top this grief. The next person's up. Well, the devil's been after me all year. Oh, that's encouraging, isn't it? So here I'm a young kid in church. I'm thinking, so if I'm going to be a Christian, the devil's going to be after me all the time. And then somebody, you're supposed to be giving testimony. I want you all to pray for my wife. She's at death's door. Just pray God will pull her on through. Well, I didn't know which direction he wanted him to pull her. I mean, it was, what, what do you mean, pull, pull her through? I mean, like, which way? I, mean, I, I don't understand. You know, so, so I had to say, let's stop the testimony. This is like, no, no. We're supposed to boast in the Lord. We're not bragging on our weakness. We're saying, I had a rough spot and he brought me through. I couldn't do it, but God made a way. I had an addiction and I couldn't stop, but I'm free now. I hated somebody and I love them now. I was in depression, but I'm free now. I was in fear and I have joy now. I was trapped in a sin, but guy escaped. I want to boast in the Lord. And what we listen to me, church, we stop denying our weakness. We stop hiding our weakness. We stop playing church and we say I can't do it but he can I don't have it but he does and I'm going to say I'm not afraid to say I can't do it I'm just going to boast in the God who can do it I'm going to get up in the morning and when it looks like there's no way I'm ready for the way maker to walk in my house when I've got a problem I can't do anything about I'm going to hit Paul put my hands in the air and say yet you are faithful you're the God who makes a way when there's no way Satan, you think you're going to intimidate me and accuse me and tell me, George Sawyer, you can't do this. You can't do that. You're never going to make it. I'm going to say, in my weakness, my God's power is going to be made perfect. Listen, during this year of 2020 pastoring, I've been in more situations I have no control over than any year in my life. And you know what I do? I say, God, I praise you because you got this. I praise you because you're faithful. I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. And he's never let me down. I want you to stand with me. Come on, let's stand together. We're going to boast in the Lord today. How many hear what I'm saying? We're going to get our eyes off the situation. want the worship team to come in. Now look, it's really, really, really early, okay? Don't leave. We're going to praise together. You'll mess up children's service. You'll mess everything up if you leave right now, all right? Just hang in here. Hang in here. I want us to praise. Now listen. Listen to me. What I've taught you today 
is, I told you this before, is a spiritual principle. That means it works in every situation. This isn't just a rah-rah. I'm teaching you life. I'm teaching you how to respond to the deepest troubles of your life. God, I'm going to give you praise. Can I tell you, some of you standing in this room, the devil didn't expect you to be here today. Some of you listening to me today, he didn't expect you to listen. And the last thing he expects you to do is start praising God. Start praising God. You know what I found out? The majority of the issues that Christians face, if we would take a moment and start praising God, the focus comes back in line. We begin to recognize who he is. My heart breaks for folks who once walked close to God and tripped over a misunderstanding. Lost their faith because they couldn't wait. They couldn't feel. Faith doesn't work on emotion. It works on choices. How many are with me today? It works on choices. And I want to encourage you today. It's too soon to give up. It's too soon to walk away. It's too soon to begin to say, God doesn't love me. God doesn't hear me. God's not going to do it. I'm going to tell you today, God does love you. God does hear you. God's closer than you imagine. And if you give him an opportunity, he's going to show up for you in this situation. So today, you ready? Let's pull the slingshot back right now. We're about to launch the attack right back in the devil's face. You can do this tomorrow. You can do this Tuesday. You can do it anytime you want to. It's a principle. We're going to let these guys begin to lead us in praise. And I listen, listen to me. I want you to praise bigger than you ever praised in your life. I want you to get hold of this principle. God's going to bring some breakthrough in your life. He's going to lift that heavy burden of despair off of you. We're going to break through depression. Listen to me. You weren't designed by God to be depressed. You were designed by God to give him praise. You don't have some gene in you that makes you predisposed to be sad the rest of your life. You hear what I'm telling you today? You weren't born to be a failure. God didn't design you in your mother's womb to not be able to make it. You have, with God, everything it takes. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.